wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Now, please welcome at this time your hosts, Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau. You're listening to the next era of wrestling radio. This is Wrestle Rant Radio. on WrestleRant Radio for November 30th, 2023, the final day in the month of November, and I keep forgetting to bring this up, Mr. Marceau, I believe I did mention it last week on our Thanksgiving episode, I did forget to mention it on Wednesday's hashtag, but tomorrow, marking the opening of the 2023 11th annual WWE AEW Year in Review Awards, it's coming up tomorrow on WrestleRant.com, the link will be up on the homepage, I already decided all the nominees, all the categories, took some stuff away, you know, change some stuff as they do every year as it kind of uh, fits the year that we've had in the world of wrestling. But that's going to be coming up tomorrow, so I'll be sure to vote as soon as that goes up at some point tomorrow. Um, I have to actually create the polls, even though I already know what I'm doing. I have to create the polls and some image stuff. But beyond that, it's all set. So it should be opening tomorrow. Keyword should. I'm hoping to. And uh, you can vote in the WWE AEW Year in Review Awards. But that's tomorrow. Today, we're talking about a lot in the world of wrestling from the past week, and it was a very busy week in the world of wrestling following Thanksgiving last week. New episodes of WrestleRant Radio, by the way, every single Thursday, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Mr. Marceau, brother, I got to ask you one question. What do you want to talk about? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Channel uh, Minor no, Cody Rhodes. I saw our truth came back. Yeah, big return. That was the, that we, we got to address the elephant in the room here. Our uh, truth coming back at Survivor Series. And uh, honestly, unironically, I, I did very much enjoy that. But, Mr. Marceau, how, how are you feeling coming off the very busy week in the last world of wrestling with, with Survivor Series, Raw, and even some AEW news along the way as well? I thought it was a good weekend. Like you said, I was really excited for Survivor Series. I thought it was a good show overall, obviously, with the returns. It just brought even bigger news. But I thought it was a good weekend. I thought the show was good, and I thought Raw was good on Monday as well. So a good couple of days for uh, WWE. I kind of mentioned this quickly when we were just talking on the phone before we hit record here. And just just a quick ball park question, and it's kind of you know hard to think off the top of your head, I understand. But in the 10 years now that we've been doing this show, the 10 years we've been talking about wrestling on the show, you and I, not not just talking about our fandom specifically, because you have been watching wrestling for almost 12 years now, myself, not 12, I'm sorry, over 20 years for you, uh, 15 years for me. But in the 10 years specifically that we've been doing the show, I honestly think this is probably, and it has nothing to do with punk, really. I'm just thinking about the products that we're getting from week to week and just the overall landscape of wrestling. 
Is this the best wrestling has been in a very long time, or at least the most exciting consistently it's been for the better part of 2023? Because I, I feel like it is. I mean, if, if we go, we've talked about it before, but if you go from like the dark days of 2013, 2014, 2015, and those all of those years had their moments, and you can hear me say as much on the show from many years ago, but I feel like a consistent stretch of great programming, people moving from company to company, putting on awesome pay-per-views, I feel like right now is the time to be a fan. No, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great time, especially in WWE. You posted yesterday, I think, or the day before. Like right now, it's probably the biggest collection of like over baby faces they've had in such a long time. Like you can name off like six or seven top baby faces they have right now, which is like they actually probably have too many, unfortunately. But uh, I think like especially the team that they had for Survivor Series, like all those guys are individually were just so over. Not even counting LA Knight, CM Punk's re debut here and. I don't know. I think, like I said, they just they're just very over, and I think, like I said, especially on a product wise, I feel like you're seeing a lot of people that people want to see. I think so too, and I think it's not just the WWE thing. I know WWE super hot right now as far as business wise and stuff like that. We will be at SmackDown at Deadline very likely next weekend, which we're looking forward to. We'll talk about that more next week here on the show. Um, but I mean, just even the fact that we have an alternative, and AEW has had its ups and downs, and we'll talk more about them at the end of the show in the second half of the show. But, I mean, just even having another company for people to go to, and I know we had TNA for the longest time in Ring of Honor, neither of those companies were remotely near the level that AEW is at right now in terms of the platform, not not in terms of people watching the show necessarily. AEW was consistently done around 800,000, 700,000, 900,000 people uh, for the last, really, the last five years since they joined um, TNT. TNA was doing higher numbers than that on, on Spike. I understand that. But still, I, I feel like AEW has been a much better alternative, consistently long-term, to WWE than TNA ever was. And, and Impact now is a great show, but it's not on the level of what um, AEW is, obviously. But you got Adam Copeland, Edge going over there, Brian Danielson, John Moxley, giving people another product to watch, enjoy, another place for these people to work. And honestly, I, I don't know... In an alternate universe, if AEW was not created, if you have CM Punk coming back to WWE ever, I mean, he probably would have come back at some point. I said that. My, my belief was that he would always be back eventually, if only for a Hall of Fame induction. I have been quoted as saying as much here on this very show 10 years ago. But I'm not sure if he would have ever come back in this capacity. Um, had an up and for AEW and the bad blood and the falling out he had there, I, I'm not sure if a lot of things, like Cody Rhodes being the top guy he is now, I don't know if that would have happened if there's no AEW. So I know Drew left as a loser and came back a bigger star, all of that happening without AEW. Cody Rhodes, I'm not sure if he would have had that same success. But, um, yeah, I just think it's a great time to be a fan right now, right? No, definitely. I think, like you said, it's probably one of the... Well, I would say over the last couple of years, I feel like it's starting to get better, but I feel like right now we're kind of at the pinnacle. I mean, I think... I, I mean, now more than ever, I kind of look forward to watching SmackDown and Raw. And like I said wrestling just in general more frequently than I have ever in the last, like I said, even 10 years since we've been doing the show, but even longer than that, it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be an AEW fan, but as far as, like, even there being a, a, a solid number two promotion, or at least an alternative, it gives WWE a run for their money. You, and no one can convince me that if AEW wasn't around, that Triple H would be putting forth the same amount of effort to put in these same great shows. I know he was in NXT years ago, but even with NXT, he was trying to outdo Ring of Honor and stuff like that. And he was handpicking talent from Ring of Honor specifically and New Japan. New Japan was the hot thing in 2015, 2016, 2017. They were picking talent from those promotions. So 
competition's a great thing. We got a great number two right now in AEW, and they're doing some good stuff too. We'll talk more about AEW towards the end of the show. The Punk thing is what we'll really be talking about, um, but I do want to go through the rest of the Survivor Series first and not overlook that show, because I thought overall it was an enjoyable event. I did think they put forth a pretty solid show on Saturday night. Um, opening up the event, the Women's War Games match, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, and Shotzi, distre- uh, uh, defeating rather Damage Controls, Bailey, Kyrie Sane, Io Sky, and Asuka. Not the outcome I was hoping for slash expecting. I kind of wanted more Damage co- Control dominance, but you got the Bailey sacrificing herself spot, so that kind of further plants the seeds for her inevitable babyface turn. I already complained about it on Twitter. We joked about it before we hit record here. I didn't like that Becky Lynch won for her team just because I don't really think the bad blood of damage control was with her. I would have rather gone to literally any other woman in the match. It's not that big of a deal. I'm just nitpicking. But I thought the overall match was really good. Um, My only, my biggest issue with it aside from the finish was just the excessive amount of weapons. I feel like we did not get as many weapons and all the chicanery and that sort of crap in the men's match. And we typically do. It was just an excessive amount of weapons and stuff in that opening women's match, as it was last year and probably the year before that as well. Um, your thoughts on Team Becky conquering damage control in the, in the match itself? Yeah, I think we both picked the heel, so I guess we were both wrong there. I thought that the heels would win here, and then the baby faces would win uh, the men's, but I guess we got both of them anyways. So, But no, I thought it was a good match, like you said. Specifically this one, like I feel like a lot of them have been very weapon-based, but the women specifically felt way overdone. Uh, The men, like, yeah, I think it was like maybe the first person or second person might have grabbed something, but by the end, everyone else was kind of just running. And for the women, it was like everyone's grabbing weapons. It just... It's kind of, like, nonsensical, too, because their teammates are getting killed, and they're just on the outside worrying getting, about getting furniture. But, um, like you said, I was pretty surprised damage control lost here, but they are kind of telling, like, the Sami Zayn story of her kind of, like, putting herself out there. Obviously, eventually, she's going to get turned on, but I thought the story-wise it was good. I didn't really have, a th- like, an issue with Becky winning, but I know you... Had a little meltdown about that. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, Becky winning wasn't <laughs> supposed to be the focal point anyway, because I think regardless of who had won here, the end game is the same. That being Bailey being exiled from damage control and eventually challenging EO Sky for the WWE Women's Championship. Now, I think it's pretty clear coming out of this pay-per-view, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it probably will be Bailey versus EO at WrestleMania one on one for the title. Now, as I've said before elsewhere. You could throw in Dakota Kai into a legacy situation where it's all three members of the group and a triple threat for the title at Mania. I love Dakota Kai. She's excellent. She's injured right now. She could be back by the Rumble. I don't know exactly. But even if she is, I don't really think that's necessary. I honestly think it takes away from it. I feel like Bailey and EO, for the way they've both been built up, and Dakota has not been built up at all. And even if she was active right now, she'd be taking pinfall. She would not be being built up. And Bailey's not built up. She's lost a lot this year. But she's a... She's a a household established name, so it's a bit different. I think Bailey Neo is the match to do. It probably won't main event night one or night two, obviously, but I do think that's a marquee match you can do um, for the WWE Women's Championship in Mania with Bailey as the babyface, and I feel like that works. And uh, and it also gives Bailey her flowers, and she's the only one I think. The only I I could be wrong. Maybe Sasha's the other one actually that has not had a singles match at WrestleMania. Becky and Charlotte have the only four horsewomen. I don't know if Sasha has. I don't think so. I think she had triple threats in four ways and tag team matches. She may have also never had a singles match either. Um, Bailey certainly never has, I don't think. So I do think Bailey Neo just works on a, on a lot of different levels. 
Yeah, I mean, I least I think if you really wanted to stretch it out, you could get like the whole group in it. I don't think at this point. I don't even know if if, if Dakota would even be cleared at this point. But at this point, I would just do EO and Bailey. Like you said, I think you could do Dakota as well. I just I think you put it kind of perfectly. I think. EO and Bailey are just on a whole different level. Like, you would have to really build up Dakota. I like Dakota a lot. I just don't... They really haven't booked her in that kind of role, so she kind of would seem like the third person out, and it kind of seemed weird. Even though they're in the same group, they just haven't put the same focus on her. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, right now, I would I would say it's a good chance to get EO and Bailey one-on-one, which I like rather than, like, a multi, multi-match. Yeah, I think it's a great match to do. In between now and then, you're going to get a lot of storyline developments, I think. It might take some time. I, I don't think Bailey gets exiled from the group you know, on Friday's SmackDown or next week. I think they will take their time with it, as they did with Sami Zayn heading into WrestleMania and the Bloodline last year. Um, and there's a lot of different directions you can go in. And I've mentioned this before, and other people have kind of alluded to it. But listen, I actually really like the idea. And I'm not saying it needs to happen or it should happen or whatever, because it's all dependent on her future. mercedes Monet. Sasha Banks, she posted a video yesterday on Twitter, uh, on X, whatever, on social media, of her training to come back to the ring. She's been injured since about May. She got injured in a uh, New Japan match where she actually failed to become the inaugural New Japan Strong Women's Champion, um, losing to Willow Nightingale that night, and she actually finished the match despite being injured, which is commendable. But, you know, she's been doing her thing in Japan all year, and only for those three months because then she got hurt and she hasn't been around since. She did make an appearance at All In. We haven't seen her talk about AEW since then, show up in AEW since then, was that a one-off thing, will she be in at some point, I figured she would be when she was cleared, um, but there also, honestly, I think there's a pretty good chance that she could be back in WWE as part of this storyline, now my biggest issue with Sasha being in WWE earlier this year, coming back, I don't, not, I, not that I didn't want her back, it was just more so, honestly, I don't blame her for leaving one, and two, if they don't have a good plan in place for her, then don't come back. Like, I don't want her there just to be there. Like, they have to be able to use her. Because, again, whether you like Sasha or not, I don't really think there's any debate that they weren't doing anything of note with her since the Bianca feud ended in 2021. In 2022, I know she was doing the tag team thing. That was a complete fucking waste of Sasha Banks. Like, she got never, didn't get any mic time, was kind of just flying under the radar and all this other sort of shit. The tag titles were a complete waste of what she could do. For a star of her caliber, she should be doing more, in my opinion. Um, and I think if they bring her back as part of this Bailey storyline, she can bring Bailey back to the light, reunite those two. What you do with her after that is of utmost importance, though. Does she feud with Jade Cargill or Io or another fresh female face on Friday nights? I don't know. But where do you think or how do you think and would you want to see Mercedes Monet slash Sasha Banks factor into the Bailey storyline? Or do you think it's too soon for her to come back to WWE? No, I think it makes sense. I mean, I feel like the way we're going now, like you said, with Punk back, I mean, I think it's everyone. I feel like it's just the right move right now. Like, like you said, I also feel like there is storyline significance to her to come back and help Bailey. Like Bailey's undermanned. Having Sasha come back to help her would make sense storyline wise. Um, like you said, it's kind of realistically what you do with her. I mean, it that's kind of like you said, it's the, her last run. Like it wasn't her fault. I mean, they really didn't have anything to do with her, but. Um, I think there's a ton of women for her to work with. I mean, you could even run her and Kyrie back. I know they wrestled in New Japan, but you could do them. I mean, it's part of the storyline. Um, but no, I think it, if it's not now, then it'd probably be a while. Because like you said, like storyline-wise, it makes the most sense now. Um, so I guess it just kind of depends on that. Yeah, no, I think, um, 
you know, they pay her what she feels that she's uh, worth. I mean, I think it's very possible we could see her back. I, I could also see her staking out, sticking it out for a little bit longer than coming back in a year or two. I, she's another one where I think we said at the time, I think it's inevitable before she comes back. Whether it be six months, yeah, a year, five years, she'll be back at some point, undoubtedly. Uh, it's more a matter of when than if. Uh, I don't think... You know, I don't know if she's done, like, it's been long enough. I mean, I, she's going to get a big reaction regardless. If her if her music hit tomorrow on SmackDown, the place would go fucking nuts. Uh, I feel like she is the next big name that has been gone from WWE that people would be really excited to see back. So, I don't know if it's going to happen soon. I don't think... If I had to bet on it, would she come in as part of this storyline? My answer is no. I have a strong feeling that she could and, and maybe will. But I just feel like... I don't know. What, what has really changed since All In... I, mean, I guess Triple H is fully in charge now, but maybe that's maybe that's the difference maker. I don't know. Because, like, why would you want to tease going to AEW and then not even bother doing that? And I don't think she should sign to the AEW, for the record. I think I've always said doing a couple matches there, maybe not necessarily winning their championship if she's not signed to a deal, but doing some work with them and working with some of their, some of their women before doing her own thing elsewhere, uh, kind of being a freelancer, free agent, whatever, would be better off. I don't think she should be on that AEW roster. I mean, have your has your mind changed on that, especially with how they've portrayed and booked their women this year? Yeah, if I was her, I would not go there. Um, I mean, like I said, I think if anything, do something like you said, like maybe like a free agent thing, just to like get out there. But like I said, I think Triple H is fully under control. The whole TKO thing's settled. It's not like we really like have that up in the air. Like that's kind of signed, sealed, delivered. I mean, like I said, I feel like at this point. I think it's the best time for her to come back. Like I said, maybe not. Maybe, like I said, maybe she does a different route. But I don't know. I feel like with the storyline, it makes the most sense. Like I said, bring Bailey to the right side, bring her back, babyface, have some backup, and like I said, have some matches with Kyrie, Oscar, Io. I mean, the the possibilities are endless, realistically. Yeah, I think it really beefs up that SmackDown women's division. I mean, you already have Charlotte, Bianca in there. Shotzi is not on that same level at all, but you have her there as well. Um, all of Damage Control, and you can add in another female from NXT. Maybe put Tiffany Stratton on SmackDown at some point. I don't know, but that, that's a pretty good core group of women if you want to go in that direction. Um, also from Survivor Series, Gunter defeating The Miz to retain the Intercontinental Championship. Pretty good match here. I know you enjoyed this one. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I thought this was a really good match. Um, I mean, I... Glad to go through one. I know a ton of people want to miss the win. No, thank you. <laughs> Get the, keep the belt on the ring general a little bit longer. But no, I thought this was a good match. Because I feel like the it was good near falls. I don't know. I just feel like Gunther always has good matches. Doesn't I mean the Miz is just a pro anyway. It's not like I expect anything less from him. But I don't know. I just feel like he always has one of the best matches. Um, thought it was another good retain here and uh, see who's next for. Him. I think I mean I think they teased him and Miz again. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. That's fine. I mean, listen, I, I think it's nice to uh, continue the feud. They've only been feuding for about three weeks, so if they want to do another match on Raw between now and the Rumble, because the Rumble's not for another two months, you got to kill time. You got to kill time somehow. So, and you don't want to run everyone through Gunter uh, before they inevitably get back to Gunter and Gable, because you know that's where they're going, and whether people like it or not. Um, I think doing rematches uh, perfectly fine. So, I'm fine with uh, Gunter beating Miz again, and uh, I, I know Gable's been booked like a bum. He's got to start racking up. Oh, fix his booking because he's a fucking loser right now. And, and that's fine. Listen, I'm honestly okay with that right now as long as if he's going to get back to Gunther, depending on whether it's at the Rumble or Mania, they have to start building him up ahead of time. Start beating Bronson Reed or Nakamura or just other people on Raw to start racking up some wins. 
you know, he can't go into it completely cold after losing all these tag matches and singles matches. He has to start winning fucking matches. So, um, I just, I just don't know when that might be. Um, Santos Escobar taking on Dragon Lee, who filled in for Carlito, who might be actually legit her because they put in Carlito and pulled him a week later, which was weird. But I thought Dragon Lee made the most of the opportunity. They didn't get nearly enough time. But for what it was, it was a really fun match. Dragon Lee's amazing. I think the way they've booked him so far has been great. And Santos, you said yourself in that text, he's been getting that heat, baby. He's getting that heat out there every week on SmackDown. And now it's Survivor Series as well in front of the Chicago crowd. So um, I thought this was a fun match, a clean win for Santos. Really can't say much more than that. No, I thought this was a really good match. Like I said, I really like what they've been doing with Dragon Lee. I like him a lot. Um, like I said, I don't know if Carlito was hurt, if they just didn't really want him taking a pinfall loss here, but I thought Dragon Lee looked good. Um, like I said, Santos getting that heat. I mean, this is a little bit of what I've been wanting for months. Like yeah, just, you have, yeah. Him and Raquel, to me, have been just like the worst baby faces in years for me. I just feel like they just, <laughs> they're just so much better as heel, so maybe they'll f- figure out that they need to turn Raquel heel, too, because she's just not a good baby face f- for me. Um, but for Santos specifically, I feel like he's getting that heat. Didn't have to say he wanted to raise leg amputated. Didn't love that. I'm a big Ray guy, so yeah, that was that was yeah, that was crazy. Ray's leg now, but uh, yeah. Overall, I think he's like I said. I just feel like he's just way more comfortable in the heel role, and I feel like you can just you can feel it. I feel like babyface that you can tell he's like trying to be a babyface heel. He just comes off like a fucking prick. And it's it, great. That was a savage line, that amputate your leg line. That was crazy. That's not the sort of thing you typically hear in WWE, but I like it because it's not like he's saying, hey, go kill yourself or something really extreme. He's saying, listen, go. I hope your leg gets amputated. That was pretty low, but <laughs> that's the sort of stuff I want more in WWE that's edgy, but not like... Like AEW does a lot of edgy things. If they're too edgy, then it's just. It like, reminded me of Nikki Bella saying she wanted Brie to die in the womb. Not obviously that extreme because she didn't want her to die, but I don't know. Leg amputated. It's pretty much like uh, your life's gonna be miserable. Yeah. No. I mean, it was uh, it was pretty low, and I liked it because I don't think it was low enough. I think the die in the womb thing is a good line if it wasn't for that feud because that feud was fucking awful. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> The shit that we've had to talk about in the last 10 years, I mean, it's better off forgotten at this point, but yeah, that was that was bad. Um, but yeah, I think I saw someone say after Santos turned, what was the point of putting him in the LWO if you were just going to get right back to him being on his own? Listen, the guy, when he first arrived on SmackDown, they were doing good stuff with Santos. He was there for a few months. You were there when he debuted on SmackDown with the rest of Legato last October. Yeah, and you could hear a fucking pin drop. No exactly. They just didn't really do anything. So I think this was the best thing they could have done. Because like I told you, when you were talking about Santos as a baby face and he was generic, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think the reason why he was with him for so long, if it was a month-long thing, then it would have been like, okay, that was way too quick. They took their time with it. They established the LWO connection. And again, not all of them were winners, but they got great reactions every time they came out, specifically Ray and Zelina, not so much Santos on his own. But the LWO stuff, they got over. So when Santos then turns on Ray, if they did, if they did the feud out of the gate, no one probably would have really cared. But because he was with him for so long, and then he turns on him, that is how you get the guy over. And so far, it's paying dividends. So I hope they continue on that path. Santos is great. This is NXT Santos music and all. He's got the music back. Fucking love it. And um, I'm excited to see what the rest of that storyline has in store because I've been really digging it so far the last couple of weeks. Uh, Women's World Championship, Rhea Ripley and Zoe Stark talk about people not giving a shit. I mean, they had a good match. I like Zoe Stark, and we've even said several times here on the show, I feel like she's one of the people that have, that has come up from NXT this year. They've actually done a fair amount with her. I mean, she's had her fair share of pay-per-view matches. Uh, I love Indy Hartwell and a lot of the other people they brought up from NXT. 
They haven't done shit with him. They get zero reaction. I think J.D. McDonough, Pretty Deadly, and Zoe Stark are the three people they've actually utilized, not to their full potential necessarily, but utilized the best slash the most since they've been brought up from NXT. And they gave her this opportunity. She had a good match. The crowd just never really got behind her. The heel versus heel thing didn't really help. And Rhea retains as she should have. But I don't know. I don't know if it's a lack of personality thing, which she does have, but they just got to work on the Zoe Stark thing because she's just not over right now. No, I love Zoe Stark a lot, but like you said, I just, I don't know if it's just like, she's just not, like, I don't know, I think her biggest hin- her biggest hindrance is like, I don't know, I just feel like she doesn't really have a good personality or come off like, she's also a heel, so it's not like she's really supposed to come off likable, I don't yeah. know, I feel like they kind of have to like, tweak her a little bit, I mean, last we saw her, she was beating the shit out of Trish Stratus, and She's been a pretty much a heel ever since, so I feel like they have to work on that with her. But I think she's good in the ring. I mean, the problem is now everyone's pretty good in the ring, so you can't really, like, that doesn't really mean much anymore. Um, but I think, realistically, they just need someone with her to, like, I don't know, improve her talking, because on the microphone, she's pretty horrible, if you ask me. She's not a great talker. I think the biggest issue with Zoe is that they're constantly, like, the her booking, since she's split from Trish... It's kind of my biggest problem, because it made sense when she was with Trish, and Trish was supposed to be a heel, and she's feuding with Becky. Okay, clear dynamic there. And it's not always going to be babyface heel. Sometimes the muddy, the waters will be muddied a little bit. But, like, they had her turn on Trish, who was a heel. So you would think, okay, so Zoe's turning babyface, which she didn't. She then had matches with Shayna that she lost, and she was, again, still a heel at that point. Um, she's teamed with Shayna. They don't really have great chemistry. She faced Nia Jax, who again is a heel. It's just fucking weird. Like they just she's they're putting her in yeah, weird she situations. She, she she's not winning a lot of matches, and she's just being put in there with other heels. So it's not like people will get behind her, and they don't. I don't know. The Raw Women's Division they have a lot of women, but it seems like they're very heel heavy, and there's not a lot of people like for her to work with. It's like heel heavy, and just no one cares. It's like yeah. they're either heels or just if they are not heels, they're just they know like. Indy, Candice LeRae, like, they're babyfaces. No one, like, cares about them. Yeah, no, they have so many female babyfaces. Candice, Indy, Tegan, Natalia, Caden, Carter, uh, Maxine, Ivy Nile. That's eight right there, dude. Because I remember all, all of them because they were in that fatal four-way tag last week or the week before. Um, none of them are really over. That That's the problem. Like you said, there's Becky, and then there's everyone else. And then they have a lot of heels that are kind of over. I mean, there's also Raquel, too, but she's not that over either, obviously, so... They got to figure that stuff out. Uh, but we get to the main event already. Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes, Rollins, Sami Zayn, Jey Uso knocking off Drew McIntyre in Judgment Day. Very good War Games match, I thought. They played up the card. Oh, will Orton be there? Will he not be there? No shit that he was there. But I thought the idea to do the money in the bank cash in halfway through was fucking brilliant. I was not, I'm like, what plan are they talking about? They said, oh, we got a plan. We got a plan during the match. I'm like, what plan? And then he was about to cash in the briefcase. I'm like, wow, that's actually really, really smart. I don't know if I've seen that before. Um, at least not in a War Games match, obviously. But then Orton comes out. He lays waste to everyone. Didn't take a single bump. He was just on offense the whole time. Hits an RKO to McDonough off the top of the cage. He wasn't on the top of the cage. McDonough just got thrown off, but that was enough. Orton's not taking that bump in 2023. No shit. If, if ever. Um, but the babyface team wins. So before we get to what came afterward, obviously, your thoughts on the match itself. I thought this was a lot better than the women's match. I just, like I said, I also feel like the stars galore. This match, had, the baby faces were super over. The heels are super heels. Um, I just really liked it. Um, 
I, I think, like you, we mentioned before, the women, I just felt like the weapons was very limited. Um, didn't really seem like it was kind of like a hassle. Like, the women just felt like they just kept bringing in just, just to do it. I feel like the men that they did bring in, like, had a purpose to it. Um, so I feel like that kind of helped the flow of the match. I mean, they had also had one extra guy, so the match was longer than the women, and it just didn't feel like it dragged at all. Like, the women's kind of did. Um, but no, Randy coming back, hitting the RKOs, the teaming together, doing the DDT, the RKO, everyone hitting their finisher. Babyfaces win, LOL. I just felt like it was uh, it was perfect, and I, I mean, that's all I could say, realistic. I thought it was a, one of the one of my favorite war game matches since they brought it back. Wow, interesting. No, I thought it was a really good match, and it wasn't, uh, you know, not a lot of hardcore elements, which I just don't like when they go overboard or that sort of stuff, and had a really good story and a really good layout and execution. But it kind of goes back to what you said earlier, dude, about, like, how over... And how many over baby faces they have right now. I mean, not only these five, but the person who came out afterward. Um, L.A. Nett over on SmackDown. Kevin Owens is over. Really, o- is also really over. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches right now. I-, I cannot remember the last time they had this many hot baby faces at one time. You could put the world championship on any of them, and no one would really complain, I think. No, I, I, complete, I think they literally have so many over baby faces, it's kind of... It's kind of crazy because I feel like they don't have that many over heels. So. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, I, I mean, their babyface roster right now is ridiculous at the top. It's crazy. I mean, a lot of these people have all fallen to Roman Reigns. But, you know, at least they're being built up on, <clears throat> excuse me, on the Raw side, and they're doing a good job with them. We'll see where they go from here with a lot of these people. Um, with Randy Orton, obviously his return was overshadowed, but let's talk about him for a second. He came out on Raw, got a great reaction, faced Dominic Mysterio, beat him pretty decisively. Where do you think he goes from here? And I thought it was great that he set his sights uh, set his sights in the bloodline and mentioned that because that is the way for him to go. I mean, he was taken out by the bloodline, and even though he forgave Jey Uso, I don't think Jey Uso is completely off the hook. I mean, he was a part of that initial attack on Orton about a year and a half ago, and he obviously has not forgotten about that. Despite the fact Jey Uso is uh, no longer in the group, I still think he is a receipt coming his way. So, what do you think they do with Orton, not only in the interim, but long-term as well, heading into WrestleMania? I feel like with Randy, it's tough. I, It's probably one of the hardest ones to predict, because I just don't overly know what you do with him. Um, like you said, I feel like in the interim, we're going to get him in the bloodline. I think that makes the most sense. But, like, WrestleMania time, I, I don't really know. I mean... It just like I said, the problem is there's so many over baby faces and there's just not a lot of over heels. So it's just like I don't know exact. Maybe do him and Solo at WrestleMania. That's the only thing that makes sense. I feel like besides him and maybe Jay, I don't know who else you're gonna put Solo in the ring with. Um, I feel like that's if I'm giving you a prediction right now, I'd say him and him and Solo. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I said earlier before we hit record, but if they do Roman and Randy at the Rumble, which I guess fuck AJ Styles in that case. Unless they do that on SmackDown, but Roman ain't working SmackDown at this point, it seems like, to wrestle. Um, You can do Orton and Roman there, and then, you know, Solo wasn't in the bloodline when Orton had an issue with them last year, but you can have Solo in in Cody Rhodes, WrestleMania-esque fashion, cost Orton the championship, and you could do Orton and Solo a Mania. That'd be a great spot for fucking Solo Sokoa to be, and I'll tell you right now. And honestly... It doesn't really feel like a mania match because Solo is the right hand man to um is the right hand man to Roman Reigns, but at the same time, dude, he just beat John Cena, and I think a lot of people forget about that too. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, and we even talked about for a pretty decent while here on the show, you and I, 
What do they do next with Solo Sokoa? Like, where does he go from here? Because he's not facing Roman Reigns, I don't think, anytime soon, if ever. Um, and I think that might be it, having him face Randy Orton. Maybe Randy Orton comes out to avenge John Cena, his close confidant, longtime rival, blah, blah, blah. If it's not that, then I could see maybe Finn Balor costing him the championship because he might be simultaneously working Raw and SmackDown. I think Orton's on SmackDown tomorrow. So maybe they can have, unless it's a dark match, I'm not sure, but maybe they can have the Judgment Day cost Randy the matchup and build to uh, Finn Balor and Randy at WrestleMania, which would also be a fresh matchup. But I think Randy and Solo or Randy and Finn would be uh, perfectly fine in my book. Yeah, I'd probably prefer Randy and Solo. I mean, I like Finn, but I don't know. I feel like he's on like a step below them two. I mean, oh, I like yeah. him. I don't know. I just feel like the ju- like. I don't know. I'd rather see him and him and Solo. At this point, with Damian being Mr. Money in the Bank and Rhea Ripley being the de facto leader of Judgment Day, it does feel like Dominic being as over as he is. I do feel like Finn is the uh, is a notch down from those other guys. As as and, and Rhea and, and whatever, I don't feel like he's in the same spot now as he was a year ago, heading into the Edge match at WrestleMania. So, Orton and Solo might be the way to go. But obviously, just as you think the show is over, you hear cult of personality hit in Chicago. The roof comes off the Allstate Arena, and CM Punk comes out. Right when you think, all right, maybe because you never really know in wrestling, maybe it's Grayson Waller, or they're just hitting the music, and it's fucking Austin Theory. No, it was uh, CM Punk in 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 living color, pun intended, coming out to uh, wave to the audience for two minutes, soak in the reaction. It's got to be one of the loudest pops in WWE history, in my opinion. I mean, they they touted all Monday long on social media and on Raw, the most social moment in WWE history. The most watched Survivor Series of all time, the most liked tweet of all time, Instagram post, blah, blah, blah. Um, It was fucking crazy. So CM Punk is back, and we've talked about it a lot here on the show for the past three months. Will he or won't he go back to WWE? My stance was, and I think yours was as well, did they need him? No. WWE does not need CM Punk. This is not 2014, 2015, even 2016 or 2017 where they could use the star power. They really don't. We just got done talking about all the over baby faces they are they have right now. And he's a baby face coming in from the get-go, at least for the time being. They did not need CM Punk. They might see him as a liability. But I think the feeling might be, one, we can make money off this guy. And two... He is someone that the fans want to see, and if the fans want to see it, we'll give it a shot. And he's been there before, so it's not a complete, like, an unknown, will he get over? Obviously, he's fucking over. He's been gone for 10 years. So he emerges, despite the fact that he went out in shame in AEW, being fired from that promotion with all the shit that he was getting into there. They took a risk and signed CM Punk. Behavior clause and all, apparently in his contract, per Fightful, not confirmed, but that was the report. Uh, wouldn't surprise me. So CM Punk is back. Uh, I, I, I thought he would be back at some point, you know, 10 years ago, but I'm just saying recently, I did think they would bring him back eventually, maybe even closer to Mania. I did not think they would do it on the show. They pulled the wool over our eyes and uh, pulled an all-out 2021. So, Mr. Marceau, CM Punk has returned. What was your instant reaction? Give me your thoughts. I was stunned. I mean, I was literally like, holy shit. I was I was probably you, but like t- tamer. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was stunned. I mean... I was like, holy shit, this actually went through. I mean, I thought it was a perfect moment, like you said. I mean, I don't know how else he could have done it better than they did, like, right after the match. But uh, I was I was pretty stunned. I, I like, speechless, realistically. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think we all expected 2024 to be a pretty big year as far as people going back and forth. Dude, in the past two months alone, Punk has gone back to WWE, something that no one ever thought would happen because WWE was on his shit list for 10 years and has made it pretty clear, not even up until recently. Um, Adam Copeland switching over to AEW, the, the former Edge. I mean, WWE was his home for over 25 years, and then he goes into AEW mere months later, within two months of last appearing on SmackDown. So, I mean, it's a pretty wild time in wrestling for those people to be switching sides. We kind of expected it. Um, after Edge went over, we're thinking, you know, Edge kind of takes the spot that Punk had in AEW, and Punk's now taking the Edge spot. It seems like he might be working the uh, part-time deal. We don't really know how often he'll be appearing. They didn't advertise him for Raw next week, but... He's back. I mean, again, they don't need him, but um, do you, how big of a boost do you think this is to the WWE roster that, again, they already... It, to me, it's kind of like the cherry on top. They already had the great wedding cake and it already tasted amazing, but now you have an extra, you know, uh, bullet in the chamber. And I didn't think they would blow through it two in one night with Orton and Randy. Uh, I'm sorry, Orton and Punk, but they did just that. So um, is it a risk or is it a reward for WWE if they could play their cards here right with uh, Punk and, and his behavioral... Um, you know, history of uh, acting out and stuff in recent years. I mean, I feel like for them, there's really no risk. I mean, if he doesn't work out, then he just doesn't work out. Like I said, they're so loaded on the babyface side. If he just does what he does and they have to get rid of him, I mean, at that point, it's happened so many times. I mean, how can you not blame them for, if, it, if it comes to that again? But, uh, no, I think it's, I mean, it's huge. I think we're going to get him and Rollins on the line. And, I mean, I, I was stunned and it's crazy. I don't know, man. There's a lot to get into here. I, I do think he will be a part-timer going forward. I'm not sure if he's going to be, um, you know, the equivalent. I've, I've heard maybe a Brock-type schedule, which obviously is hysterical, considering all the shit that he said about part-timers years ago, and they're taking our spots away at WrestleMania. He's taking a spot away from someone at WrestleMania. I don't care if he's full-time, part-time, quarter-time. He's taking a spot away from someone, dude. I think it was pretty clear that whatever Rollins would be doing at Mania did not involve CM Punk for the longest time until now. Uh, Triple H said at the press conference it came together pretty quickly uh, whenever, when all the rumors kind of started to die down in the days leading up to Survivor Series and they brought him out. I, I think Rollins and Punk is the match to do at WrestleMania. I don't know if that was supposed to go to Gunther or someone else, but I feel like Punk and Rollins is the match to do and it probably should be for the World Heavyweight Championship. I mean, yeah, I think that's where we're going now. I mean, like you said, I don't love it. Like if it's taking away a spot from someone else, because I feel like I said if it's going to be someone like Gunther, then I mean, I feel like he kind of deserves it. But I mean, it's a business at the end of the day, and I, I mean, you got to make what's best. Yeah, you got to do what's best for business. So listen, we Punk's back. Not only was the return great, but he was out on Raw on Monday night as well, cutting that promo talking about I'm home, I miss the fans, which I can believe. The I'm home thing, I just laughed at. And I'm the biggest Punk fan. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm not a Punk fan. I'm not going to burn my fucking shirt in a trash can like these other losers are, which was just ridiculous. But, um, you know, making all these comments, people surprised. Oh, he didn't mention the elite or Tony Khan. And again, not why would he? Because he is a pretty spiteful person, it seems. But like... It seems like he wants to move on from it, and also it doesn't really accomplish anything. Like to take shots—that's one of the things I don't like that AEW does a lot—is when they is when they take all these shots at WWE, just unnecessarily. Like a couple here and there, tongue in cheek, okay, cool. But when they do it every week and they're pretty outwardly about it and open about it, it's just stupid. Um, he's acknowledging, or he's not even acknowledging their existence, which might be the biggest shot of them all, and. That promo on Monday was pretty uneventful. A lot of what he said rang hollow to me, but the best part of the entire promo, in terms of punk standards, it just wasn't a great promo. 
But that last line that wasn't even said on the mic, but rather the cameras, the showing off the air, I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to make money. I feel it kind of sums up his entire AEW run in a nutshell. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that's, I mean, I feel like it's a very old school thinking, like, you're not there to make friends, you're to make money, and that's kind of what old style wrestling was based off of, like, you weren't there, like, your whole job is about making money, I mean, if you weren't making money, you were leaving the territory, and then you're going on your way to somewhere else, so, I mean, people can be pissed or whatever they want, but like I said, he's there to make money, and it is what it is. Yeah, no, he's there to make money and hopefully make a lot of money. I mean, he's already the top uh, merch guy in WWE shop, and I feel like the Rollins match makes a lot of sense. How would you book CM Punk? Again, the Rollins match is the match to do to me at WrestleMania. But in terms of how they go about this, because, again, I hear that promo, and I'm thinking, bullshit. Like, just bullshit. I mean, it just there's a lot of what he said that just didn't make any sense. And it was pretty much the wash, rinse, repeat promo that he cut in AEW when he first showed up a couple of years ago. Almost the exact same promo, almost word for word. Uh, just a WWE sanitized version of it. I don't think Punk's promos will be much in jeopardy in WWE. They will not be what he was saying in AEW. But he was cutting some pretty great promos above everyone else when he was last in the company 10 years ago. The company has changed. We have a lot better workers. are a lot better talkers now than we did um, 10 years ago. But still, I feel like that won't really be an issue. But I've said this before. I said this on Twitter. I'm not sure if it was done on purpose or done by design, so I don't want to give him too much credit. But do you think they can go in the route of Punk acting sincere? Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And Rollins even said it in his promo earlier in the show, said, listen, dude, you're a fucking hypocrite. Like, I don't like that guy. I hate the guy. You, you saw the video that went off, uh, that went up after Survivor Series of Rollins flipping him off or whatever. Obviously, that's all a work. But I think it's not just, oh, the match sells itself. It does. But I do think, dude, they can get really creative with this by having Rollins expose Punk for being a hypocrite on the show. There might be a lot of people watching that have no idea what they're talking about, but if they can kind of tell that story and blend reality with storyline with kayfabe, I think it's going to work that much better. No, I think so. Like you said, I think they can definitely do something like that to kind of intertwine them or call Punk out for like his bullshit, but... I mean, I think that's how you kind of get the whole ball rolling. Um, so I'm very interested to see what they do with it. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, not that it's the only way to go, but I do feel like it's probably the best way to go with Punk because there's just been so much shit talk for so long now about, oh, why would I ever go back? They're just an awful company. Even Triple H, when he took over, Punk was like, they haven't changed. They still play games, blah, blah, blah. Like, again, how would you know? You don't really work there, but whatever. Maybe he knows people that work there at that point. I'm not sure, but... Um, it the whole the whole situation. I I love Punk being back, but the whole thing is just fucking fascinating because of the circumstances. And it's not like he chose WWE. I mean, he's only there because he got fired from AEW. Um, and the whole hypocrite stuff. I mean, I don't really put a lot put a lot of stock in it. Not because it's not true, but is Cody Rhodes were people getting on his case for being a hypocrite when he, remember all remember all those promos that Cody Rhodes was cutting in, in AEW up until the end? Oh. The 20-minute uh, rolling sessions in the Performance Center. And then he went back to set Performance Center fucking <laughs> two months later. You know what no, I'm saying? Fucking, I, that, what was, no, it was like a uh, hip toss class. Dude, and then he's in NXT making an appearance a month ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, that's 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 how the business works. That's what it is. I'm not excusing it, but it is what it is. <laughs> hip toss class. Seriously, man. It's like, oh, why would I go back to that machine and the fucking, you know. And then he, and then he retroactively tried to 
shift the narrative like when he did the throne thing oh it was a nod of respect to triple h oh cow of course I mean, i'm sure he is a triple h fan but it's like dude just like can we get a fucking sincere and i love cody rhodes and that stuff's kind of in the rear view now but like, even when it comes to like wwe to aew and stuff like that it's not like adam copeland was out there saying you know WWE's so great and AEW's awful, like, why would he ever fucking go there and then he shows up? Like, I appreciate his stance on it because he wasn't one of those people that was shitting on the other company and then ends up going there. But, I mean, we, we gotta be more self-aware here and offer some more sincere apologies for, like, if Punky Mount said, listen, I've said a lot of stuff, I'm not gonna say I'm sorry for saying it, but I am here now because my thoughts have changed and I'm here to make some money. And, they listen, I they also wanted me back and I don't fucking like it here. I, I don't know. I feel like they can get creative with it. And Cody Rhodes probably should have said, listen, I probably shouldn't have said some of that shit because a lot of it wasn't true. When they said, oh, it was just a joke, it's like, oh, it's a joke when you want it to be a joke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like it's a joke when it, or you didn't, like, yeah, it's like it's when it's, like, uh, what's the word? Convenient. When it's convenient for you, yeah. it's like, fuck that place. But when you need, like, yeah, it's when it's convenient for you, you change the narrative. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just need the more transparency. And again, if they want to say this shit and start a war and all this other stuff, you know, listen, I, I welcome that and it's fun and, and it is cool to kind of see that stuff develop and whatever. But at the same time, it's like punk. I mean, Cody too, but punk too. It's like brother. I mean, you guys more than anyone were taking shots at WWE. Was that a joke the whole time? Like, just say, listen, I was wrong. I thought how it, I knew how it was over here, and it might not even come on Raw. Maybe it comes in an interview with Ariel Hawani or fucking Chris Van Vliet or something. I don't know. But someone's got to call them out on this shit. And, and Triple H, too. Uh, when Triple H said in the press conference and Punk said it in his promo, I've changed. And Triple H was like, oh, yeah, he's changed. And if we're all different people than we were 10 years ago, it's like, okay. <laughs> if anything, you've changed for the worse because you were getting in fights in your previous employer's company two months ago. I need to know how you've changed. And if not, just be open about it. And maybe Rollins comes out and says you, hasn't ch- you haven't changed. So uh, that's what I want to see out of that storyline, personally. Yeah, I think that's like the like going realistic could be like the best way to get like a, a good few. I mean, I think it's the match goes itself, but like putting in real life points or like kind of views, I feel like that's going to heat this up even more. WWE has enough baby faces. We just got done talking about it. I think they could use a really strong heel aside from Roman. And there's a lot of other good people. You know, they have Gunther and Gunther is great. Logan Paul's good, but he's never really around. He's a part-timer. And he'll be back on SmackDown, I think, this week, which is good. But um, with CM Punk, I think he knows. And I remember he complained when he first left 10 years ago about them making Batista babyface when he first came back. And people obviously welcome him back with open arms. But he knew Batista worked better as a heel, and he wanted to be a heel. Punk, I'm sure, wants to be a fucking heel. Um, he knows that he'll get this great home count, you know, homecoming reaction upon coming back and whatever. But at some point, the other shoe's got to drop, and Rollins has got to be like, listen, you don't fucking like this place. And Punk was like, you know what? I'm tired of this shit. You're right. I never liked it. I'm here to make money. I'm not here for you, and I'm not here for these fans. I feel like that's the real money they can make with Punk long-term. Sell the t-shirts and stuff for as long as you can. But I do think they have so many baby faces that if, honestly, I was thinking you turned Rollins because his hokey, dumb attire bullshit is so tired with the theme song and crap. I fucking hate it. I was going to say turn him heel, but if he can be the flag bearer of the company and he can become more serious and you also turn punk at the same time, I feel like you're killing a lot of birds with one stone there. See, like, I want him to turn heel because I'm tired of the whole hokey bullshit. Maybe he doesn't have to turn. Maybe, like, punk being, like, Serious or something can get that out of him, but 
The whole freaking Rollins and the outfits needs to go badly. No, it needs to go. He needs to call Punk a hypocrite. Punk needs to own up to it and go full-blown heel at some point between now and Mania or soon after. And that hopefully can be enough for Rollins to stop coming out and dancing. Oh, it's a party. It's a party up here. No, it's not a party. You look like an idiot. And I know you're over. I'm not saying he's not. But it just, it makes those promos so fucking cringeworthy. It's no different when he would come out during the Authority promos 10 years ago. And he was laughing the whole time. I'm like, oh god, this is awful. Um, And I love Rollins. I think Rollins is amazing. He's one of the best in the world. But when it comes to the character stuff, a lot of it's hit or miss. And they gotta move on from the hokey bullshit. And hopefully they do soon. Alright, so CM Punk stuff mostly out of the way. I do want to mention this. Um, The timing was... Very interesting. It came out this week from Fightful that uh, Brian Danielson was not only on the committee that eliminated CM Punk from the company that made that call to fire him, but he actually led that committee. And it was not Mega Parker, the uh, the head of their legal committee or whatever it is, their legal advisor, I don't know. I'm not even really sure if she's there or if he's taking on the same duties that she was previously. Brian Danielson's a pretty big influence apparently behind the scenes. And I saw a lot of, not a lot of people, but some people shitting on Danielson for that. It's like, dude, I mean, how can you not fire Punk in that situation? To me, when I saw that earlier, the timing of the the, the report was interesting because he's been gone from AEW for months and all of a sudden they put it out now that he's in WWE. That's one thing. And I'm not blaming Fightful, I'm blaming whoever gave them that information. And two, it kind of seems like their way of getting the heat off of Tony Khan for making that call. Because people were saying over Survivor Series, oh, Tony Khan dropped the ball of Punk, which... I mean, Tony Khan was very much responsible for a lot of the stuff that went down there because he needs to take accountability as well. Um, but, I mean, he didn't drop the ball with Punk. I mean, they needed to fire him. So I thought that report about Brian Danielson was interesting. Yeah, I think it is interesting. But like you said, I think at the end of the day, what people need to realize is like if Tony Khan was a man and could put his fucking balls on, he could have nipped this in the butt years ago. Yep. Have to all brawl out and be an adult. Like the fact they have to go to like a discipline committee just shows that Tony Khan doesn't have the awareness or the authority or the man code, whatever you want to call it, to actually make a decision. Because if he was really that scared for his life, then he could have made the decision on his own. It just it seems like a cop out, like you said, to get the heat off Tony Khan. But at the end of the day, people need to point their blame to him. No, seriously, and I, I, I do think Punk, you know, bears a lot of the responsibility, as do the Bucks and the Elite and whatever, but, I mean, Tony Khan is not every bit as responsible as those guys or Punk, because Punk was the one that got in the fight, but, I mean, like you said, if Punk or if Tony Khan put his foot down a year and a half ago, stopped the bullshit before Brawl in, or Brawl out, Brawl in was this year, then I don't know if a lot of this stuff would have happened. Honestly, if he let go of Punk a year ago, then it wouldn't have got to the point where he was beating people up backstage and he didn't have to be in a position where he, I quote, was in a position where he uh, feared for his life. And it was the most frightening situation he's ever experienced in person. So, I don't know. I feel like that whole thing could have been avoided. Um, AEW just uh, not taking a lot of W's lately. I've enjoyed the product. I liked Dynamite last night, but they lose Punk. Uh, That whole thing blows up. And now MJF, who they've built their entire product around, is reportedly hurt with a few different injuries, a hip injury, but specifically a torn labrum that he suffered at a Uranagi spot off the top rope at full gear against Jay White. Now, Mr. Marceau, not that you predicted this, but I do got to give you credit and uh, just mention this. You did say when we talked about this a couple weeks ago with MJF and me, I still really like the idea that they're building a lot of things around him, but I got to give you credit though. You did bring up, they run the risk and it's a big reward because I like the stuff they're doing with them, but they run the risk of when they center everything around one guy, if that guy gets hurt, you're fucked. 
and it looks like he's hurt, and it looks like they're fucked. Now, we can't put aside the possibility that he is not hurt, and that he's fine, and that he'll retain the title, hold the championship for longer, blah, blah, blah. But if he is actually hurt, and it sounds like that is the case, then that's a very bad situation for AEW, considering this is their number one guy, and to me right now, no one else really comes close to being remotely as interesting. No, I think that's another big problem is like people can say like, okay, it's all about him, but we just move on. The problem is he's like the most interesting person they have going right now, and it's not even really close if you ask me. And like you said, I don't know how hurt he is, how long he'll be out if he gives out for a while, but I mean, this is like what happens when you have someone that's super over and you put everything into them. If he's really hurt and he has to go away from TV, then that's a big gap to fill. I mean, he's one half of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. They have the Cole storyline going on. He's feuding with Samoa Joe. He's got a lot of challengers waiting in the wings. He's got the devil stuff that they furthered last night. I I can't imagine he's that hurt if they're still doing the Joe match, which, I mean, this medical team in AEW seems to be compromised of experts. I mean, some of the the shit they've gone away with in the last couple of months alone is pretty crazy between the Moxley thing and letting Danielson wrestle the broken orbital bone. I mean, I guess if it can't get much worse, like the Cody Rhodes mindset from Hell in a Cell last year, if it can't get much worse, then just go ahead, I, I guess. Um, but they're letting him wrestle next week, so I can't imagine it's that bad. But do you think this guarantees a new world champion at World's End? And honestly, even if he wasn't hurt, I would still put the belt on Joe. I, I would not give Joe another title shot if he was going to lose for a second straight time. I think Joe was long overdue for a world world title run, in my opinion. Yeah, I think even if he wasn't hurt, I think it's just time to put the belt on Joe. Yeah. Um... I mean, if not then now, then it'd probably be never. Um, he just gave up his own title just to go after MGF, even though he already contended for the title when he was champion. But no, I think, like you said, I think if anyone's going to take him off, I would, I would think it was going to be Jay White. But I mean, with the show seemingly next month, I, I just feel like at this point it would be it would be Samoa Joe. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally for that. Joe's been amazing lately. Um, the, the last MJF match, a Grand Slam, was really good. Um, I know Joe's older. He's had a lot of injuries himself, but he's on fire right now. And he's, I mean, to AEW's credit for all the people they've kind of cooled off and not booked well, Joe has been amazing for them. He's been one of their best gets in the last at least two years, and he's really knocked it out of the park. So I would reward him with a world title run, even if it's brief. Um, I, I would do that to close out World's End uh, next month, and a month from today, actually, so... We'll see where they go with it. And a bit of an update on the devil stuff from Dynamite. Um, I honestly was not thinking about this at all, but Britt Baker tweeted either last night or this morning that, you know, MJF gets all this mic time on one show, Christian Cage gets all this mic time on one show, I've gotten zero minutes of mic time all year, which, you know, as sound as much as that sounds like a complainer tweet, and like, why don't you just take it up with your fucking boss? Because never, they never tag Tony Khan, if you, if you pay attention. They never tag Tony Khan. Two things. One, she's not wrong because their booking of the women's division is abysmal. A lot of those women do not get any mic time at all. And she was someone that got mic time every week for a good two years. But it is pretty bad. Two, it looks like this might be a storyline thing. You were the one that pointed out, and I saw the same tweet, but it didn't really add up for me. Jack Perry liked the tweet, uh, liked a certain tweet. She liked the tweet and Sammy Guevara. So it was your... You had mentioned that you had seen someone else say that it looks like those people could be behind the devil masks. And maybe Wardlow as well, because his hair was messed up before his match last night. He must have gotten changed quick, because his match was right after that segment. But even still, um, that looks like it's the direction they're going in, maybe because they're all day one people that feel like they've been overlooked. Wasn't Sammy just in the Don Callis family? I don't know. That that whole thing, if that's who it is, is pretty fucking bad. I mean, not that it's bad, but that just seems like a really dumb storyline. What is Britt Baker going to do? I mean... 
I know Cole's hurt, but like, what's the end game for her? They have no baby face with MJF, so I don't know. Just I'm out on that. No thanks. I, that doesn't interest me at all, personally. Yeah, I mean, if I don't think, like you said, same with Guevara was just in the Don Callis family, my, last of my knowledge. And Jericho Appreciation um, Society before that. I mean, I feel like that's the, but that's like a Tony Khan booking thing. It's like, oh, you don't work in this group, you put him another one. It's like fucking Powerhouse Hobbs. How many groups has he been in? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't really care for it, but, I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, even if she's associated with them, is that going to make the women's division any better? I doubt it, so, I don't know. You mentioned all the groups that uh, Powerhouse Hobbs has been in, and one of them, not the most recent <laughs> one, is uh, the Don Callis family, which I know, not the greatest thing, but it's better than what he was in previously. And I'm not talking about Team Taz. I'm talking about QTV. Now, people can shit on Punk for a lot of things, and a lot of things rightfully so. But it came out one of the reports after QT Marshall announced his exit from AEW on Monday, which was pretty surprising because I think he's been there since day one. He was a pretty big influence backstage. He seems like a nice guy. A lot of people called him a straight shooter, very helpful with a lot of things. And that's great. A lot of different reports came out from why he left. And he did even mention in a statement the company's going in a different direction. The report, one of the reports was that he feels like it's becoming new to New Japan, which is what a fucking weird... If that's true... What a weird thing to say, because one, it already is New Japan, really. And two, I don't even really think that's a bad thing. I know he was saying, oh, it's more match-based and not storyline-based, which is true. I don't know if that's all that different from what they were doing a couple years ago, though. AEW has always kind of had an issue with that, so it's not, I don't know. And I guess it seems like he wanted to do, which would make sense based on what he was doing on TV before he left, more entertainment stuff, which is why we got QTV. Newsflash, pal. QTV was fucking terrible. QTV was one of the worst things this company has ever done. And they've done some pretty bad stuff. A lot of it like a match here and there. And I can't name many things, like, and not nearly as many as WWE, where I just fucking hated it. But that QTV crap was terrible. The factory sucked too. But the QTV shit was a complete waste of time. And the worst part about it, I mean, it's wasted Johnny Mundo. Johnny Morrison, whatever the fuck his name is now. Johnny TV. But it absolutely wasted Powerhouse Hobbs when he won that TV title, or that TNT title, rather, earlier this year. To the point where it took him months to be rehabbed. And he wasn't even on the show for a while. He didn't even leave the group. I mean, they never even explained it. There's a lot of things AEW just does not explain. And that was one of them. So I guess he thinks by leaving because, I guess, Punk had told, reportedly told Tony Khan, Listen, this QTV bullshit is ruining Hobbs. I don't want it on Collision. Now, Punk shouldn't have the power to make that call. Tony Khan should have made that fucking call himself. But I guess QT Marshall, it sounds like, was mad at Tony Khan for pulling QTV from the show and saying this bullshit, even though, guess what? No lies detected. It was a thousand percent true. And now he wants to do, maybe take a chance on himself, which I gave him a lot of respect for. But he ain't Cody Rhodes, and he's not a lot of other people that I would say, hey, good on you. Go be successful somewhere else. Maybe QTNA or something? I don't know. They could do that shit if they want. I don't know. Definitely not in WWE. Hard fucking pass on that. He seems like a great trainer. Maybe they can hire him as a coach, which I'm not sure he would want to do anyway, full-time. As a performer, no fucking thanks. I mean, I'm just so beyond that. And again, seems like a nice guy. He's a very good worker. There's a 50 people that are better than him in WWE and AEW currently. So, anyway, that's a lot there, but I just want to get your thoughts on the uh, QT Marshall stuff. Well, there you go. He's a nice guy. He just shits all over him. I mean, I'm not a huge QT guy. Um, but like you said, I mean, I, I don't really see a huge future for him. But like you said, at least hey, if he thinks he wants to take a chance on himself, like you said, I feel like a lot of people don't. So good for Q2. 
hey, listen, good for him for taking a chance on himself. I just don't want it in AEW. I don't want it in WWE. Don't really want it in TNA either, but guess what? That punk comment about the QTV ship being bad for Hobbs was not wrong. And it seems like more people are telling Tony Khan, pulling him in different... Not only is the company moving in a different direction, which it kind of is, and not for the better necessarily, and they need to figure their shit out, but it, Tony Khan is constantly being pulled in different directions. Hey, this would be a great idea. No, no, no. This would be a good idea. How do you think QT Marshall... I mean, for a guy complaining he didn't get enough opportunities, it seems like, got that Cody Rhodes feud in the first place? Because Cody Rhodes probably wanted it, and QT Marshall probably wanted it. Guess what? Another One of the worst things they've ever done was that awful QT Marshall-Cody Rhodes feud from a few years ago. What a fucking waste of time that whole thing was. Anthony Agogo, we have not seen him since. And the guy still works there. We've not seen him since on TV. I mean, give me a break. I don't know, man. I think I think it goes back to the idea that Tony Khan has got to figure out what the fuck is going on and put his foot down and not listen to so many different people telling him a lot of different things. Either hire other people to make these choices or make these choices yourself and not listen to other people like Punk and the Elite and Cody and people like that telling him what to do and what not to do. Figure it out for yourself. The governor. I miss the governor, Anthony Agogo. The governor. Um, but no, I agree. I mean, I feel like you said like he's getting pulled in so many different directions that it's just, it's not ideal. And it's just not a coherent product. I mean, I love AEW. I think they do a lot of good things right, but there's also a lot of things like, listen, if you want to, you got to own up to it. The Vince McMahon shit was terrible. Like, a lot of what he wanted back in the last couple of years has been awful. But at least that was all his decision. Triple H, it seems like a lot of it is his clear vision, whether you like it or not. With Tony Khan, he's taking advice, and a lot of these people have freedom. They almost have too much freedom, because if they don't want to do something, they'll let you know. Maybe that's the case in WWE too, but it seems like with Tony Khan, he might be too much of a pushover sometimes to really put his foot down and say, no, listen, this is what I want to do. This is for the best. And when he does do that, like whether it be with QTV or maybe with the Cody Rhodes stuff and the Nightmare Factory and they thought it was terrible, he probably told Cody and Brandy, listen, we're not doing this Paige Van Zandt feud because this is going to be terrible. One, don't start in the first place. And two, if you don't like that, then go kick rocks. And that might be part of the reason why Cody left. So I don't know. Maybe there's a whole other thing there we don't need to get into because we don't really know about it, but that's just my own speculation. Uh, last thing for you, Mr. Marceau, before I let you go. Continental Classic, we didn't really talk about it last week, but they did announce everyone that's in it. We got a gold league, a blue league. You win the uh, most amount of points for your for your league. You will face the other person in the league in the finals at the World's End pay-per-view. So in the gold league, playing out on Dynamite, it's Moxley, Jay Lethal, Swerve Strickland, Jay White, Roosh, and Jay Br- or, uh, Mark Briscoe, excuse me. And in the Blue League, we have Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston, Brody King, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, and Andrade El Idolo. So looking at that lineup, hearing those names, who do you think is the best chance from each side of winning, and who has the best chance of winning the whole thing overall, you think? I mean, I want Swerve to win the whole thing. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to, but I think Swerve should win the whole thing. Um, and face Brian in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we're going to get Jay White versus Brian in the finals. Yeah, the thing with Swerve is that I want Swerve to win. I just, I, my issue with this is that the person who wins this whole thing becomes the Triple Crown champion of the Continental Classic champion and the Ring of Honor World champion, the New Japan Strong Openweight champion, the McDonald's champion. Just a, a lot of pointless titles. Like, who <laughs> the cares? Happy Meal champion. The Happy Meal champion, the champion of the whatever the fuck, who cares? Um, listen, I don't want Swerve to be tied down to Ring of Honor, for example. I'd rather him go on and do bigger and better things. So I want him to win, but I don't really want him to win. Does that make sense? 
No, I agree. I mean, like you said, I think you've mentioned this on hashtag, which I completely agree. I feel like he's above that. Um, like I said, I don't want him on Ring of Honor or New Japan. Like I said, I'd rather him just get like actual AEW gold. Um, so I get that. So like I said, it's not like I'm totally bummed, but I mean, he just beat Payman back to back. I feel like the right thing to do would be pushing him to win. And yeah, yeah, yeah no, exactly. And the only thing I would think that would get him out of it is if he gets cost the win by it like a page, which I, I don't think page needs to get his win back right now. They just had a death match. I don't like that unless he was to kick off his next feud that way, like with a Moxley or something, maybe. But like you said, if they really want to capitalize off that stuff, he should have been right to the main event, I think, or the TNT title picture, but they put him in this instead. And that's fine. He's going to have great matches. Then he probably should win the whole thing. And uh, yeah, listen, it's better than nothing. I'll say that much. Uh, but we had a lot to discuss here today, Mr. Marceau. We'll have a lot more to discuss next week with NXT Deadline, more WWE and AEW news, previewing Deadline before there that Saturday in that shithole of Bridgeport. Not my favorite city to watch wrestling, but it should be a great show regardless. New episodes every single Thursday, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, Amazon Music, all that other sort of stuff. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single week. And of course, don't forget to vote in the WWE AEW Year in Review Awards for 2023. 11th annual over at WrestleRant.com. Very likely starting tomorrow, I should have the polls up and the categories up and running and whatever over at WrestleRant.com. So check the homepage and vote today. It will culminate at the end of December. We will review the results on uh, December 29th or whatever that final Thursday of December is. Mr. Marceau, brother, thanks so much for joining me as always. Had a great time, and I'll catch you next week. I'll catch you next Friday at SmackDown, actually. Sounds good, brother. Enjoy the holiday season. I'll talk to you soon. See you later. Join Graham, GSM Matthews, and RJ Marceau every Thursday as they run down their weekly wrestling rants, offer expert analysis, host exclusive interviews, and more. Subscribe today on all your favorite podcast platforms and never miss an episode of Wrestle Rant Radio.